so much. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you, Pastor Elijah. Even though he's not here, I do want to thank him because I always say, you know, there's no greater honor than being trusted with one's child and one's congregation. And he's trusted me with his congregation this morning. So I'm so happy to be here. It, it honestly is an honor and a privilege. Now, for those of you who uh, may have heard or you may have missed it, you know, you're not tripping or anything like that. I do have an accent. So you say, <laughs> I have an accent. I'm actually from Birmingham, England in the UK, and I'm here as a missionary. Now, a lot of the times when I say that, I get this funny look because America is so used to sending missionaries. Us on the west side of the world, we love to send missionaries. And the truth is there are over 250 million people in the USA that do not confess Christ as their Lord and Savior which makes um, America the third biggest mission field in the world. So while we're sending a lot of missionaries from America, what we're actually doing is stepping over our own backyard, stepping over all the people that are dying and going to hell, quite frankly, and going to all of these exotic countries because it's exciting. And we forget that there's so many subcultures in the, world, in the country that are not professing Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And I didn't like that, so I came over here. And one of the subcultures that um, I've been called to personally is the hip-hop culture. So um, for those of you who don't know, hip-hop is more than just a genre of music. In fact, it's the biggest genre of music in the world. But it is actually a, a subculture, so it's a way of life for people. It's a, the way people dress, the way people speak. And there's a lot of evil in the, that culture. We, but I personally have been called to it from when I was a little girl. Um, I've always loved hip hop, but I didn't grow up in the church. So when I came to Christ at 17 years old, I felt like a misfit, totally out of place because I went to a traditional black church that believed that hip hop is the devil, right? So I was like lost, I was like, wow, I find your music very boring, quite frankly. So what am I meant to do? And then Pastor Troy, so he, he's the lead pastor from the Edge Urban Church in Grand Rapids. He was in England and he was helping us to learn how to plant urban churches and he asked me if I would come over and serve in his church for a year and a half. So that was back in 2017. I came for three months because you can travel without a visa for three months. I fell in love because it's the one place where I saw Jesus and hip hop come together so perfectly. So all of our worship is done through rap. We have a lot of international artists. We have a rapper called Stephen Malcolm, who is... Oh, you guys know him. Yes. So he's great. He's one of our um, worship leaders at the church. He still serves there on a Sunday and he's doing amazing things. He actually just done a song with Snoop Dogg. You know, who gets Snoop Dogg on a Christian song? So that's exciting. So we're doing some amazing things. And through this little church um, called The Edge, we're able to reach millions, literally millions of people every year. So we have a brand called Hustle Pray Eat. So my old 
Another way that I get to serve is by being the retail manager for Hustle, Pray, Eat. And it's quickly become one of our biggest evangelism tools because people stop us and say, what does that mean? And we're able to share the gospel through these three little words. Um, Hustle is all about working hard at all that God has called you to. Pray is about seeking God and keeping him at the center of it all. And then eat is all about looking after ourselves and other people holistically. And you'll hear more about that throughout my message today. Um, but I just wanted to give you a quick rundown of what I'm even doing on this side of the world. So that's what I'm doing. So anybody um, that supports today, we have um, Hustle Pray for Sale. If you do support, it goes to supporting our residency program where we can um, teach more people to plant urban churches. Now, <laughs> that was a lot. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much. So we are in a series here called Hall of Fame. And then Pastor Elijah just asked me, pick your favorite sermon that you've preached before. And this one always goes down quite well. So I thought, why not do this? And I think it's always a good reminder. So you'll see what I mean. Now, um, before we get into it, I do want to pray because I want to make sure we're hearing from God and not just me rambling on. So if we bow our heads in prayer. Lord, we just want to thank you. Thank you, um, Holy Spirit, that you are here with us today. And we know that you are here with us because your word tells us where two or more are gathered, there you will be also, Father. So we trust that you are in the room this morning. We thank you for the worship that has gone forth. We thank you that we have a place to gather and be able to worship you freely. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you use me as an empty and willing vessel. I pray that you just remove um, anything that would stop me from speaking preaching the word in spirit and in truth, Lord. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you just use me and do your thing through me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's get into this then. So if I was to say to you, Jesus is alive. Do you believe that Jesus is alive? I should hope so. Jesus is definitely alive because he did, in fact, defeat death when he went on the cross. He defeated death. And the truth is, we as Christians are meant to be alive in him. Do you believe that? We are meant to be alive in Christ, right? But the truth is, a lot of us have flatlined and we haven't even realized it. A lot of us are just existing in Christ. Not very much alive in Christ. We are meant to be alive. In fact, not only are we meant to be alive, but Christ said that he came to bring life and life more abundantly. We are told that in John chapter 10, verse 10, that he came to bring life and life more abundantly. But sometimes I look around the church and I look at fellow Christians and I even look at myself sometimes and feel like, wow, we have flatlined. If we were truly alive in Christ, then 250 million people wouldn't deny that Christ is Lord. If we were truly alive in Christ, we would be catching fire no matter where we go. Our life would be preaching the gospel for us. But a lot of the time I look at the church and we have become so content, so content in just doing church on a Sunday morning. Coming to church on a Sunday morning is the extent of our Christianity. A 40-minute sermon and three worship songs is the extent that we go to when it comes to our Christianity. And so today, I want us all, collectively together, me included, I want us to check our pulses today. Now, something that a lot of people don't know about me is my first love 
is actually science. Does anybody else here enjoy science? A few of you. So it was always the thing in school that I was naturally just very good at. And I used to annoy everybody because I was a chatterbox. So I used to talk to everybody, distract everybody, but I'd still get the top grades in science all the time, right? In fact, when I was in elementary school, which I would call primary school, I scored the highest grade on a science test over the 50-year history of the school. So I've always, thank you, <laughs> I've always been naturally good at science. And being as inquisitive as I am, I always ask questions of why and how do things happen. So science was a natural knack for me. And in science, there is something called life processes. There are seven life processes that if you are a living organism, you should be able to do. And they are movement, respiration, sensitivity, nutrition, excretion, reproduction, and growth. Okay? And we're going to go through these seven life processes and compare them to our Christian walk and see, are we alive in Christ or have we flatlined? Okay? Are you ready to check yourselves? Do you know that this is not just me saying this, the Bible tells us that we are to check ourselves. In 2 Corinthians, and it's chapter 13, verse 5, says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. I'll read that again. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Sometimes we forget to test ourselves. We forget to examine ourselves. We accept Christ and then we go to church and we just go along with it, right? And we don't stop to test ourselves and say, am I alive in Christ? So we're going to start with movement. If you are alive in Christ, you should be moving. And I really do encourage you, if you are a note taker, you'd want to take notes because there's seven of these and we're going to go through each of them, okay? And I want you to be able to check yourselves even when I'm not in front of you. So movement. Are you moving? Are you hustling? Are you doing something? You know, this is not a inactive faith that we're following. It's not something that we just hear and listen to. God wants us to do. Are you being obedient? Are you moving when God tells you to move? You know, some of you may be in a season right now where you hear God very clearly and he's telling you to leave that job, to move out of the state, to move home, to move church even. God is telling you to move, but you've become so comfortable, so stagnant, that you're not being obedient. Do you know the biggest way that I think us as Christians are disobedient is by not doing something that God tells us to do. A lot of the time we think that disobedience is doing what God has told us not to do, but disobedience is also not doing what we've been told to do. Are you moving? We know that the Bible says in Luke 11, verse 28, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. That means that God is telling us, don't just listen to the word. Don't just hear the word, but obey it. That is an action word. 
And then again in James chapter 1, verse 22, it says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. And you know, a lot of people, especially in this generation, we have this thing of like, we love motivational speakers, we love life coaches, we love self-help books trying to find our purpose. But you know, as a Christian, your sole purpose is to obey the word of God by making disciples that make disciples that make disciples that make disciples that make disciples. And the fact is that most Christians are not making disciples at all. Do you know that the Great Commission was to go, therefore, into all the earth, preaching the gospel and teaching those to obey it? But the reason why we can't teach people to obey it because we ourselves are not obeying it. We're going to church on Sunday, and by 1.15, our Christianity is over for the week. What are you doing? You say you have faith, but where's the proof? Now, we don't work for our salvation. Christ did that. You don't have to work for that. But like the Bible says, faith without works is dead. James 2, 18 to 20. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you not know, do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Do you currently in your life have the same amount of faith as the demons? If somebody was to take a look into your life, would somebody be able to differentiate you from a demon based on your faith. If you are not moving, I ask you, are you actually alive? And you know, we often say, you know, I'm gonna pray about that, I'm gonna pray for that, I'm gonna trust God that that will happen. And a lot of us Christians, we treat God like a genie. Let's be honest, we come to him, sit there for a little bit and say, I'm gonna tell God my three wishes and they're just gonna fall into my lap. Luke 11, verse 9, says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Do you realize, even in your prayer, even when you're asking God for something, there is still a requirement for you to move? If you want the door to open, you have to knock. If you want to find God and find what he has for you, you have to seek. All of these are action words. You have to hustle. So first on your list should be movement. Are you moving? Are you going when God says to go? And are you actually doing something with your faith? Next is respiration. Now in science... Um, there's a gaseous exchange that happens between us and plants, right? That's why plants and trees, they're so important. Because as we breathe out our carbon dioxide or our CO2, the plants do what they do, and then they give out oxygen, which we breathe in, then it goes, it's a cycle, right? There's a gaseous exchange. In our faith, there has been a divine exchange. 
a divine exchange which happened when Christ went to the cross. In Galatians 2, verse 20, it says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And then Isaiah 53, 46 says, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. By his wounds, we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So what is this exchange that took place when Jesus went on the cross? Jesus was punished so that we could be forgiven. He was wounded so that we could be healed. He was made sin so that we could be made righteous with his righteousness. He tasted death so that we could share his life. He was made a curse so we could receive his blessing. He was made poverty so that we could share in his abundance. He bore our shame so that we could share in his glory. He endured rejection so that we have acceptance with the Father. He was cut off so that we could be joined with the Father. And he was our old person put to death so that we could be new in Christ. I think sometimes we as Christians, we're just so used to the cross. And we almost take it for granted. But do we live a life that has evidence that this respiration, this divine exchange has actually taken place? Or do you still look like your old self, which was meant to have been put on the cross with Christ? A lot of you, a lot of us, Say, yeah, I've been a Christian for 10 years, and you wouldn't be able to tell. Nothing has changed. Nothing has changed about your character, about your thought processes, about your actions. Where is the evidence of this divine exchange in your life? And do you live with this reverence of the Lord that the cross hasn't just become just another thing to you? We can become so used to it, and we don't even think about what happened on the cross until Easter. We don't talk about it. We don't think about it. We don't actually live as though it actually happened. Jesus, a real man that really walked this earth, that was really abused and killed on the cross, brutally murdered. But we're just so used to it. We almost speak about our faith and what happened on the cross like it's some fairy tale, like it's something that you watched on Netflix and you're telling your friends at work the next day. We don't live as though we believe that this really happened. So is there evidence of a divine exchange in your life? Next, sensitivity. If you are alive in Christ... There should be some level of sensitivity in your life. And your senses, your sight, your hearing, your smell, your touch, 
your taste. So sight. Can you see God in your life? Are you sensitive to the Holy Spirit? Are you able to witness something happen in your life and say, that was God? I recognize God when I see him. A lot of the times we, you know, we act like waking up isn't a miracle. We're waiting for these big things. We're waiting for legs to grow out and people to get up out of wheelchairs. And then you'll say, that is God. But can you see God in the smaller things? You know, the nature outside, can you look at the sky? Can you look at a beautiful sunset and say, that's God. I recognize God. Can you hear God? You know, when I came to Christ at 17 years old, I always remember people saying, and God said to me, and God said this, and I heard God, and I was so jealous. I was like, I want to hear God. What does God sound like? And I made it my mission to know how God speaks to me. And some of you may be in this room today and you're thinking, how does God speak? How does he speak? And do you know, each of us are created differently. And God will speak to us all in our own way. I'm a big dreamer. God speaks to me through dreams. He speaks to me through rhyme. He speaks to me through music. He even speaks to me through YouTube. But that's a whole different story that I'll get into another day maybe. How does God speak to you and can you hear him? If you are alive in Christ, you should be sensitive to God's Holy Spirit. In John 10 verse 27, it says, My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And there it goes hand in hand again. Hearing but also doing. Because once you hear him, you follow him. It always goes back to movement. But can you hear God? Are you his sheep? Do you know when God is talking? Because it's going to be very hard for you to obey something that you can't hear. If you are unable to hear God, if you are unable to pray and be sensitive to him, then it's going to be very hard for you to know how to obey and how to move and how to follow. And when we talk about pray, you know, a lot of the time we... we we, we talk to God and then we don't get, give him a chance to get a word in. And you wonder why you don't know God's voice. You don't know God's voice because you don't give him time to speak. You're constantly speaking over him. How many times have you gone into prayer quietly? A lot of the time we treat prayer like a conference meeting that we've called because we're the boss of our life. I have an agenda. I have action steps. I have what I need you to do for me, Lord. So I'm going to come into this meeting and I'm going to tell you what's on my agenda for today's devotion. And once we've reeled off our lists, we might say thank you for a few things just to be polite. And then once we've reeled off our list, we go, we get up and we get on with our day. Never stopping. Why are we so afraid of silence? You know, God says that he speaks in a small, gentle voice. And if you are constantly talking, constantly moving, never just taking a moment to hear him, 
I'm not surprised a lot of us don't know his voice because we haven't given him a time to speak. So when we say pray, that means the two-way communication. So I want to challenge you this week. When you go into prayer, what about if you go in quiet and say, Lord, you speak to me? Because, you know, God's will for our life is far beyond what we can imagine or want for our lives. How about we get to the point where his will and our will are the same thing? We're not going to know that until we give him time to speak. Sensitivity. Are you sensitive to the Holy Spirit? Do you know when God is in the room? Can you see when God is moving and he's on somebody and he wants you to pray for somebody? Are you sensitive? Can you feel him? There is nothing, there is nothing like the presence of God. And my, my spirit mourns and it is downcast for those of you who do not know what the sweet presence of the Holy Spirit feels like. There's nothing like it. So that's the, what is that, the third one? Yeah. Movement. Respiration. Has there been a divine exchange? And sensitivity. Can you see God? Can you hear God? Can you feel God? Next, nutrition. So this is the eat part. What are you eating? What are you consuming? Now, I want to talk about this in two different ways, physical and spiritual. Because, you know, the Bible says sometimes that we're so heavenly minded that we're of no earthly good, right? And sometimes we forget that there is a physical implication of being here on earth and doing God's work. If we don't take care of ourselves, how then are we going to go out into all the world and make disciples that make disciples that make disciples? We as Christians sometimes don't put enough emphasis on looking after ourselves physically. What are you putting into your physical body? Are you eating well? You know, sometimes, you know, we call um, our bodies the temple of God, temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, all of you, I'm sure, would be outraged if somebody came in here with bags of trash and dumped out trash all over the place and made it filthy in here. You'd be outraged, right? You'd be like, how could you treat God's house like that? How could you treat God's house like that? We don't put enough emphasis on the fact that we should be good stewards over the body that God has given us. We should eat well. We should drink our water. We should look after ourselves physically so that we can do the work of God. We are God's hands and feet here in the earth. And we need to be well so that we can live a life of vitality. And so you don't have to look what you've, like what you've been through, right? We should be able to stand apart and be like, I'm looking after this body that I've been given because it is the temple of God. But then even deeper than that, spiritually, what are you consuming? After Sunday service is gone, done, 
What are you listening to? What are you watching? What are you even reading? Sometimes we're not protective over the gates to ourselves. We're very frivolous with what our eyes consume, very frivolous with what our ears consume. And that's a big one for me because I'm, a, I'm very eclectic in my music taste, right? So I'll go all over the place and hear some filth, right? Hip-hop is my favorite genre of music, so you can just imagine what I consume sometimes, which I need to get better at. But we need to take into consideration what we are consuming because ultimately that's what comes out of us, right? We should be consuming and feasting on the things of God. We pray, you know, when we pray, we say, give us this day our daily bread. But the truth is, we're not actually eating our daily bread. How many of you read the Bible frequently? I see a few hands. But the truth is, not many of us. You know, it's funny, when, they talk, when the Bible talks about the armor of God that we are meant to put on daily, do you know the only offensive weapon that we have is the word of God? Everything else is protection. Everything else is a belt, the, the shoes, the shield. But the only weapon that we are given is the word of God. And so many of you are in these spiritual battles... And you're so confused as to why you keep losing these spiritual battles is because your sword is not sharp because you do not know the word of God. How are you going to fight without your sword? You have to read the word of God. That is what we should be eating. But do you know that reading alone is not enough to get our nutrition? It's not enough. Without studying the word, eating is like putting the word in your mouth and not chewing. That's what you do when you, not, you don't study. And without meditation, without meditation, it's like not digesting. So you don't get the nutrients out of it anyway. Some of you just put the word in. Let me get my chapters for the day in. What about if you just slow down, just read one scripture, just one, chew on it, study it, meditate on it, so that it goes from your mind to your heart and then to your hands because you can do something about it. Amen? Amen? So what are you eating? Are you getting your daily bread? So often we complain about the church is not feeding us. The church is not feeding us. The church is not feeding us. It's because you rely on eating for 40 minutes on a Sunday and then starving yourself for the rest of the week. The church, the church is to equip you. My pastor always says the church gives you the knife and the fork and it teaches you, it equips you to go and feed yourselves. You are adults, you are big people. You cannot rely on the church to be feeding you and then starving yourself for the rest of the week, then coming back on Sunday and feeling like, oh, well, I got a bit of a taste of something, but I'm still hungry. It's because you've starved for seven days, six days. We need to be eating. You wouldn't just eat once a week, would you? So why then do we only take in the word once a week? 
No wonder we are starving, and no wonder we have no sword to fight these spiritual battles. But when we talk about eat, at Hustle Pray Eat, when we talk about eat, we're also talking about not just feeding ourselves, but feeding other people. And like I said, what goes in will come out, right? And what comes out of you will feed somebody else. So your words are so important. And there's a few scriptures here that I want to go through which talk about the importance of our words. So Proverbs 11 verse 9 says, Evil words destroy one's friends. Wise discernment rescues the godly. Proverbs 15.4 Gentle words bring life and health. A deceitful um, tongue crushes the spirit. Remember when we're talking about nutrition, we're talking about us being healthy. How can your words help your brother and sister be healthy? By using gentle words because they bring life and health. Proverbs 16, 24. Kind words are like honey. There goes the nutrition again. Sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. We sometimes feel like... I'm eating well, I'm exercising well, but what you are saying is trash. And what you say also goes back into your own ears. So not only is it harmful for others, it's harmful for yourself as well. Kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. Proverbs 18, 21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. There goes nutrition again. Eat, 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 eat well, people. Okay, so that was movement, respiration. Has there been a divine exchange? Sensitivity. Are you sensitive to the Holy Spirit? I think my time is running out. I didn't even see that clock. Um, And then we had nutrition. Next, once you eat, then comes excretion, right? We got to get rid of it. So, um, a few years ago, I'd done the Daniel fast. Has anybody ever done that? So it's the diet that Daniel done. So he ate basically just vegetables, honestly. And you know that the more good that fills your body, the quicker and more regular you get rid of waste. Okay? So spiritually, are you getting rid of waste? The more that you consume the good things of God, the less space there is for the badness that is not of God and it has to leave. Where God is, the devil cannot be. Amen? So the more we consume... The more we consume the fruit of God the less space there is for the things that are not of him. Idolatry, hatred, drunkenness, envy, fornication, lust, sexual immorality, all of these things that are not of God. When you fill up in the nutrition part, when you fill up on the things of God, the less space there is for these things that are not of him. Are you getting rid of waste? Because all living things get rid of waste. If you are a Christian who is still comfortable in your sin, I will say that you are not getting rid of waste. Are you getting rid of the people that are not bringing good to your life and that are dragging you down and helping you and enabling you to be comfortable in your sin? Are you getting rid of waste? Are you in a job that you shouldn't be in, but you're just doing it because 
you're there and you're comfortable, but you know that it is wasteful in your life. Are you getting rid of waste? All living things get rid of waste. A lot of the time we talk about, you know, uh, I'm just in this battle with this sin, but you're not fighting. You're not actually fighting it. It's defeating you over and over and over again because you haven't repented. You've said sorry, but you haven't repented. There's a huge difference in saying sorry to God and repenting from something. Repentance is the turning away. And you're not going to turn away from something that you know and love if you don't know and love what's on the other side, which is Christ. Amen? You have to know and love him. So that's excretion. Are you getting rid of waste? Reproduction. What are you producing? The Bible tells us to be fruitful and multiply. And we are made in God's image and we serve a multiplying God. You can take the loaves and the fish. You can take water into wine where things change and where things are multiplied. We see over and over again that we serve a multiplying God. God has given each and every one of you something, a talent. And you know the, proverb, um, the parable of the talents, where some buried them and some planted them. What God has given you, is it multiplying because you've planted it and you've planted it and you water it? Or have you buried it and it's just dead and gone? Multiplication. Are you reproducing? Are you reproducing Christians? That's the main thing which we should be producing. We should be producing more Christians over and over again. In fact, we should be producing Christians that produce Christians, that produce Christians. What am I saying? It goes back to we should be making disciples that make disciples that make disciples that make disciples. Are you multiplying if you not, I have to ask you, as a Christian, what is the point in you? Because when Christ left, the last thing that he said to us was, no, make sure you go to church on a Sunday and have a great worship service. Have great coffee at the door, greet your friends, have a good time, have a wonderful children's ministry. That's not what God said to us. He said, go out into all the earth and make disciples. This is our distinguishing factor. We've become too comfortable in not sharing our faith. If all of your friends are Christians, if all the people that you talk to are Christians throughout the week, then I'll tell you, you're probably flatlined. Because if you spend your life in your Christianity preaching to the choir, on that day, God asks you, what did you do with what I gave you? What did you reproduce? And you can say, well, I enjoyed Sunday service. Where were the Christians that are you producing? Reproduction. If you are alive in Christ, you should be reproducing. Amen? And if you don't believe me, let's read in the Word. The Great Commission. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in, her, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey 
That's the doing word again. Everything I have commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the ends of the earth. Amen. And not only should we be producing more Christians, but we should be producing the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. What you plant, you should be watering those things, those attributes of Christ. We should be able to tell in your life, through your attitude, through the way that you love people, are you reproducing? And finally, because I'm, look, I'm minus five minutes. <laughs> Growth. Are you growing? Or have you been so stagnant that you're in the same place that you were when you first came to Christ than you are now? Is there a difference? Are you growing in maturity and depth? Are you afraid of the deeper things of God? Are you afraid to go into those trickier books in the Bible? Now, it's all good. I believe that all of the Bible is me. But are you going to the places where you need to chew a little further for a little longer? Are you growing in your maturity? Are you growing in your knowledge of self? Who are you? Now, we've all been given the same mission to go and make disciples, but how? Who am I? Who has God called me to? I've been called to hip-hop, and I knew that since I was eight years old. I was going to do something in the realm of hip-hop. Didn't imagine that it would be Christian hip-hop. But I just knew because I, knew my, I know myself. Have you spent time with yourself and with God long enough for him to tell you who you are? Because really I didn't know who I was until I came to Christ and it all started to make sense. There's dots all over your life that need to be connected and the thread is Christ. But to do that, to know yourself, you need to know him. Has your knowledge of God gone deeper, wider, higher? We serve a very, very big God. And sometimes as Christians we can act like we've exhausted God's word, we've exhausted who God is, but God always has a way of showing us more and more about ourselves. Are you growing? So I'm going to run through this list again quickly, just in case you missed anything, and then I'm going to wrap up because I'm so over time. So, are you moving? Hustle. Are you doing something? Has there been a divine exchange, respiration? Are you acknowledging the exchange that has taken place? Is it evident in your life? Sensitivity. Can you hear God? Can you see God? Can you know when God's in the room? Nutrition. What are you feeding yourself and what are you feeding others? Spiritually and physically. Excretion. Are you getting rid of the waste in your life? Reproduction, are you producing the fruit of Christ and the fruit of the Spirit? Are you producing more Christians? And finally, growth, are you growing? Thank you, and I hope this blessed you. I hope this blessed you. Thank you so much. And I just want to share a piece of poetry because Pastor Elijah asked me if I would. 
And you know, when you know that you are alive in Christ and you become alive in Christ, if you've been checking your pulse today and be like, oh, one, one minute, I'm dead, I'm actually dead here, then come alive. And when you're alive, you're going to be more excited about Christ. And you're going to want to go and tell him, tell the world who Christ is. So here is a poem called Statement of Faith. And it's just what I believe and hopefully what you guys believe. And just to get you excited about our faith. So here goes. I follow Christ because when it comes to love, he's always been one for no limits. His compassion has no end and his grace has no finish. No lines to cross, but for the lines I crossed, he lied across the mighty cross, Calvary. Once I was blind, but now I see. With no contacts and no specs, just contact from our Saviour's amazing grace. Love of our life, though we see not his face, but beauty can be felt. Let's see how beauty can be spelt. Because through his blood, we are exalted, anointed, united. So I thank you, Christ. But once isn't enough, so I have to thank you twice. Because three times I stumble and four times I fall, but five times I'm lifted. Six times I'm tricked, but I'm seven times gifted. I'm God-blessed. Forgiven. Forgiven for every sin that I've ever confessed, repented, so I too can forgive those that I once resented. I have undone my chains and let go of my grudges, so who can come against me when I'm face to face with judges? With Christ at my side and his acting as advocate. Listen, the dream the devil is trying to sell you is a lie, he has no ad for that. But still people are ready to sell their souls with no consideration for what happens after that. They have miscalculated the aftermath, but I'm here to tell you that a kingdom divided by itself cannot stand and life with God subtracted becomes bland so I keep Christ at my center to retain the taste so as you hear these words I say no this is not just a poem it's my statement of faith thank you so much thank you